It is great to be here with you guys um, and just to share what God's doing in the world. But first and foremost, I'm going to start with a Bible verse. Can you read that? I can't read it. What, what language is this? Chinese? What other language do you think? Korean, it's Chinese. It's a Bible verse. But what does the verse say? How about this? What language is this? Bon Dieu, c'est le meilleur, mais les hommes, les bâtiments, c'est le petit lieu, les appuyants, tout le monde qui va mettre confiance, yo n'a pas perdu la vie, yo, on contraire, y'a gagné la vie capable, j'en finis. Portuguese? No. Okay, who went to Haiti this, in March? You should know. This is Creole. Creole, that they speak in Haiti. You guys should have known that one. Jose, ¿qué dice? ¿Qué dice? Esta es, this is Spanish. Dice, ¿por qué de tal manera amó Dios al mundo que ha dado a su hijo unigénito para que todo aquel que cree el que en él cree no se pierda mas tenga vida eterna. That's Spanish. What verse is this? It's the same verse. What verse? John 3:16. Let's all read this together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. How many have heard that verse before? In a sense, it's the gospel in a nutshell. It is the world's most popular verse. And the reason why I showed all the languages, it doesn't matter what language you speak, what culture you're from, that verse, the truth in all those verses and all the languages, is the same truth. It's the same God, the same love, and the same hope that is offered. It doesn't matter what language you speak. We serve a big God that loves the world. Everywhere you go, you see this world. You might go, this verse, you might go to the football game and you see someone saying, John 3.16. Or you might go to In-N-Out Burger. If you go to California or the ones in Dallas, on the bottom of the cup, it has John 3.16. How, how many knew that? I didn't know that. I think that's cool. Or you go to Forever 21. In the bottom of the bag, it says John 3.16. Everybody knows the verse. Even people that don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior no, John 3.16, or I've heard of John 3.16. They know what it means, what it says, but might not know what it means. And unfortunately, Christians, we as believers, we tend to forget this verse and take it for granted in our own personal lives. What does John 3.16 mean to you? Let's read the verse again. You can close your eyes if you know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him 
should not perish but have everlasting life. What a wonderful message. I'm missionary. And we like to talk about missions. We like to talk about what God's doing in the world. But when you think of missions, a lot of passages come to mind. Matthew 28, the Great Commission. You go back to Genesis 12. There are a lot of great missions passages. But where did missions actually begin? Where does it begin? Missions begins in the heart of God. It begins in who he is because we know that God is love. That's who he is. It says here, whoever does not love does not go because God is love. And everything that he does outpours from his love for us, for the world. So this morning, we're going to talk about God's love. God's love for you. We just sang about God's love. His love never fails, never gives up. Goes on and on and on. What a wonderful message. And we need to remember this message of God's love for us, for the world. So we're going to look at John 3.16 a little bit. For God to love the world. It has a beautiful description of God's love. God's word is filled with God's love. We're going to talk about God's love. First phrase of the verse, John 3.16 says, For God loved the world. Right? You need to talk back. For God loved the world? He so loved. It's an extravagant love. It's just not a, I love you, I so love you. It's not the simple love, it's an extravagant love. And that means it's an infinite and everlasting love. A love that we just sang about that goes on and on and on and never gives up. Jeremiah 31.3 says, The Lord appeared to us in the past saying that I have loved you with an everlasting love and have drawn you with unfailing kindness, an everlasting love. When God created the universe, and even before the universe, he loved us. That's pretty awesome to think about. I can't even put my brain about, around that, about God's love. It's deeper than the deepest ocean, wider than the deepest sea. It is huge and infinite and it goes on and gone and on. And nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing that I can do that can separate us from the love of God. That's an awesome, extravagant love. But it's also an incomprehensible love. Can you understand God's love? I surely can't because it surpasses all knowledge. It passes all knowledge of what we can understand about God's love. I have a very simple mind and I can't even begin to grasp the love of God that he, the love that God's love that he has for us, for you and you and you and you and everybody outside these church walls. God has an extravagant, extravagant love that goes on and on and on. I love that song. 
It's a good reminder. We need to be reminded that God loves us and that God loves the world. God's love is an extravagant love. It is infinite, incomprehensible. It's also indiscriminate. It doesn't discriminate. He didn't say, okay, I only love people from Oklahoma. He loves people from Texas too. Amen. (laughs) But he loves the world. He says, but God demonstrates his love toward us. I love this verse. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's how he demonstrated his love for us. He's giving his son. We're going to talk about that in a bit too. But it's indiscriminate. It's for sinners. How many here are are a sinner? I'm a sinner. We are all sinners. The Bible says that we are all have sinned and we have fall, fallen short of the glory of God. We are separated by God. But God loved us so much that he gave his son. He had to plan. God's love is extravagant. He just lavishes us with his love. I want, I'm going to be saying this over and over again this morning. God loves you. I want you to know God loves you. He loves you with an extravagant love, but he also loves you with an exhaustive love because God so loved the world. He so loved the world. 2 Peter 3, 9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness, and said he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone come to repentance. He loves everybody. And he wants everybody to come to repentance because of his extravagant love and his exhaustive love. 1 Timothy 2.4 says, God who wants all people to be saved, that's his desire, is for all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. That's his desire. His love is for everybody. Who is this? Close. Lenin. Back in the early 90s, I said, why are you from Mexico? Why are you talking about Russia? Back in the early 90s, there's something that really impacted me in my life that made me really think about God's exhaustive love. I went to Russia with a, a music group and we were singing around and we had an opportunity to go to this little clinic hospital and do a little, sing some songs and do a drama. And in the course of the drama, there was this guy doing, who's Christ, and he was doing, it was a mime, and he was standing like this. And I took a picture. And I got the picture back and I saw the man being Christ on the cross. And this back of this picture was Lenin. And it really impacted me that God died when Christ was dying on the cross because his love is an extravagant love, because his love is an exhaustive love. He died on the cross for Lenin, but Lenin was a bad guy. Hitler was a bad guy. All these, God, Christ died for him. His love was offered to them, but maybe they never heard about God's love for them. So God's love is exhaustive. It's for everybody in this world. It's for your neighbor that doesn't know the Lord. 
Maybe a family member that doesn't know the Lord. Or maybe somebody in Mexico. There are a lot in Mexico that don't know the Lord, that Jesus Christ is their Savior. They don't understand the depth of God's love for them. God's love is extravagant. His love is exhaustive. But he also has an expressive love. He expresses his love. He doesn't tell you, I love you. I mean, I love to hear my wife say I love you. I love to say I love to my wife. But when I express my love in a different way, like maybe some flowers, so husbands, so, okay, buy your wife a flower. I learned this from my daddy. He loved my mama. He loved my mom unconditionally. But he expressed his love to my mother in many ways. And God expresses his love to us. He has good gifts. He wants to give us and lavish us. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. He wants to give us good gifts. And he's given us the best gift in the world through his son Jesus Christ but we have to receive that gift. I, I, I love the, I read the book, um, The Five Languages of Love. Have you read that book? It's just a great way how we express love. We, we need to express our love. It could be through words or actions or serving or quality time. It's a great book if you've never read it, but we need to express our love. And, and God expresses his love in a unique, unique way. And that's through his son, Jesus Christ. Because it says here, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. His only son. I have a son. I love my son. But the thought of giving my one and only son, that is, that's a love that is incomprehensible. I can't understand that. But he loves with us that incomprehensible and extravagant love. God demonstrates his love. I was sitting with uh, Justin's class this morning about, and he said some things that made me think, but God loved us so much from the very beginning. He loved us. But we're Adam and Eve, beautiful garden, what happened? They sinned. They messed things up. But God, in his extravagant, exhaustive, expressive love, had a plan from the very, very beginning. He promised a Savior. Because of his love for us, he promised a Savior. You can take that all the way back to Genesis 3, 15. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between you, her, your offspring and hers. And he will crush your head and he will strike his heel. Who is speaking here? God speaking. And who is he talking to? Satan. And who is he talking about? Who is this one that's going to come? And strike the heel. Who's going to be the enmity? I'm sorry. 
Jesus Christ. He's talking about Jesus Christ. He's promising a Savior. Does God keep his promises? Yes, he does. But that's part of, who, it's part of his character. He's unchanging. So very in the very beginning, God promised a Savior. Because of his great love for the world, for you and for me, he promised a Savior. Throughout the New Old Testament, you see again and again, I will. He's going to come. You've seen the prophecies of Jesus Christ. But then the New Testament comes. And God demonstrated his love in a provided Savior. He's just not a promise. He's come. He's come. He, he came and he lived among us and died on the cross for our sins. It says here, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. He's a provided Savior. And that provision that he has given us is offered to each one of us for all who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. God loves you. God loves you. God loves me. I used to love to watch the show Touched by an Angel. And it was a very popular show. Do you remember that TV show? Some of the younger ones probably like, huh, what are you talking about? <laughs> but it was a great show about an angel. But at the end of the, every episode, the angel said to them, always, God loves you. God loves you. That's a message that the world needs to know and understand that God loves you. Okay, God loves you. So my question for you, if God loves you and you believe that God loves you with an everlasting love, an extravagant love, an exhaustive love, an expressive love, and he demonstrated his love through Jesus Christ, what should our response be? First and foremost, if you have never placed your trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have to realize you need to respond to God's love, message of love that he has for you. If you say, yes, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, I Believe he loves me with an everlasting love. And Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. You accept his love and his forgiveness. You're heaven bound. But if you don't and you reject it, or maybe they've never heard about God's love. The majority of the world unfortunately is not going to go to heaven. The majority of the world is going to go to hell. And sometimes we don't like talking about hell. But it's a real place. And the majority of the world maybe reject God's love or just don't know about God's love. Because the verse says in Matthew seven thirteen and 14, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, hell. And many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few 
find it. <sighs> My heart breaks when I hear that and I realize that. God loved me, yes, but God loved the world. You can't forget about the world. Because it says here, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish and have everlasting life. That's why God came, to save the world. But in order to be saved and to receive eternal life, what must they do? Believe. Trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior. It says here, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Then it says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen? Amen. And I trust that you have made that decision in your life, that you call on his name and, say, and you will be saved. But if you have never placed your trust in Jesus Christ there's no better time like the present you can call on his name and say I'm a sinner but Jesus God loved me so much that he sent his son and I believe in what Jesus Christ did on the cross for my sins it cleansed me of my sin that's a great thing but if you continue in Romans in this passage it says how then can they call on the one they have believed? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they, anyone preach unless they are sent? And as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. God loves you. God loves the world. But how can the world know that if we're not doing if we're not sharing and going and preaching the gospel. Because I want to tell you, do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields for they are already ripe for harvest. There is a world that's looking and searching. And unfortunately, they're searching in many, in many wrong places. Mexico is in great need. The harvest is great in Mexico. People are looking. But unfortunately, right now, the fastest growing religion in Mexico is the Muslim religion. Then the Jehovah Witnesses. And then the evangelical Christians. Mexico needs, and they're ripe and ready. People are there. So my question is to you, what should our response be? What should be your response be to God's love for you. God loves you. So what should our response be? What should your response be? What should my response be? 1 John 5, 3 is, in fact, this is love for God to keep his commands and his commandments are not burdensome. If you love God and you believe that God loves you and you say, oh, I love God, you gotta keep his commands. And the Bible's full of them. We're going to talk about one of them in a few minutes. 
about one thing that God wants us to, how he wants us to respond in love for him because he loved us first. But 2 Corinthians says 5.14 says, for Christ's love compels us. Nos impulsa. That's because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all have died. There's a song in Spanish that we sing. La canción dice, Somos el pueblo de Dios. We are God's people. Somos un pueblo especial. We're a special and a called people. Llamados para anunciar. Called to announce. And then it goes, You know the conoce la canción? Okay. But that says, Sorry about that. But I think the Bible says, Su amor nos impulsa. His love compels us to go and share with your neighbor, maybe in Mexico or Haiti, everywhere. His love should motivate us. Should motivate us to do that, to obey his commands, but motivate us to share. Once a person begins to grasp the width, length, height, and depth of God's love, and Christ begins to dwell in them so that they no longer live, but Jesus lives in them, then their life will never be the same. They will no longer live for themselves, but will be motivated to serve their glorious Savior. Whatever the battle, whatever the cost, they will dig in, and stay determined to the mission that God has given them because they are motivated by Christ's love. Does Christ's love motivate you? When you get up in the morning, <sighs> or do you remember, I want to encourage you, every morning wake up and realize that God loves you. And because of that great love he has for you, it should motivate you, compel you, to obey his commands. And one of his greatest commands is this. First, love the Lord your God. But this one is the Great Commission. I'm a missionary. We've got to talk about the Great Commission. <laughs> then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. There's another passage in Luke that says we need to go and preach the gospel. So, what is the main verb in this passage? What is the thing we got to do? I'm going to ask the question is, what is the thing we got to do? That's one of the verbs. But the main verb is make disciples. We are called as a church. You know, our purpose being on earth is to glorify God. But our mission is to make disciples. But when Jesus comes and takes his church, missions will no longer be needed. I mean, it's, it's over. But we'll glorify God forever. But we are known to make, to make disciples. God didn't say, go and make as many as Christians as possible. 
he said, go and make disciples, committed followers of Jesus Christ. People that are responding to God's love in a dramatic way. We're supposed to go. How many have seen the movie Field of Dreams? This movie Field of Dreams, what does he say? If you, if you build it, he will come. Many churches have the Field of Dreams philosophy. If you build it, they will come. If you just have the right programs, the right building, the right this, people will come. I don't need to go out. I just need to wait for them to come through the doors. But no, God is calling us to go. You need to go where they're at. It might mean going to the Walmart store and just talking to the person there. Maybe going across the street to your neighbor or going anywhere. Going to Mexico. Going to Africa. China. Go. God wants us to go. But what do you do when you get there? What do I do when you get there? You got to go and you got to preach the gospel. You need to share the good news. That's the gospel. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. In Mexico, I love to share the gospel. I love to tell people about Jesus' love, Jesus' love for them. And, and people are responding, but we have to go to where they're at. We just can't sit around and wait for them to come. We need to be sharing God's love, telling them God loves you, God loves you, God loves you. We need to be doing that. We need to make disciples, we need to go, we need to preach the gospel, but then when they come to the Lord, what do you do? We baptize them. That's what happened this morning. What a beautiful example. Beautiful example of fulfilling the Great Commission. Baptizing people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uniting them in the body of Christ and saying, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. You make disciples, you go, you baptize, you preach the gospel, and then you need to be teaching them. Teaching them, teaching them everything that I have commanded them. We need to be doing that as believers, as a church. We need to be involved in the Great Commission. Why? Because God loved us so much that he sent his only son. And we need to share that. But on a continual basis. It's not one and then do the other. But uh, you know, that's our desire in Mexico is to is in making disciples, focusing on making disciples and equipping them to go and do likewise. And they are growing and growing, and that's, that's what we need to do. God loves you. God loves me. But what should our response be? We need to remember it's God's love that compels us, but it's our mission. It's what God is calling us to do, is to get involved. It's our action. We need to get involved in what God is doing in the world and sharing God's love and telling your neighbor, telling your family member, God loves you. God loves you so much that he sent his only begotten son for you. And if you believe in him, you can have eternal life. That's a beautiful message. But this little this verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I can just say that and not even think about that verse because I know it so well. 
But sometimes I'll confess, I don't live that verse. Being reminded of that great message in that one little verse. So my challenge for you is to wake up every morning remembering that God loves you and that God has, is calling you to share that love with others. We need to act. We need to get involved. And that is, it could be serving here in the church. There are a lot of needs and ministries and ways you can serve and share God's love to the children that are here. Or maybe going out into the community. I love, he said, every October, I pray for you guys. The chicken dinner. What a great way of sharing God's love is through the chicken dinner. Not only meeting a physical hunger, but maybe sharing and help, sharing God's love to fill the spiritual hunger that so many people in the world have. But not, when we think of missions, we always think of, you know, being a missionary and going overseas, but I want to tell you, you guys are all missionaries. We're all missionaries. We're all called to go and make disciples. It could be just staying here, but when you're thinking about foreign missions, you know, some are called to go, some are called to stay and pray and give, but we're all involved. We're all partnering, to get, partnering together. And we are so thankful to Houston. Um, this, is, this is family. We feel so loved here as well. And I know it's Christ's love that's, that's shining through you. And we thank you for that. It's been, been a great week to be with you guys. We head back to Mexico in three weeks. We go back to Dallas today. So I ask you to pray for us as we finish our time here in the States as we go back to Mexico to continue the ministry that God has called us to do, to share the good news that God loves them. And it's, it's a privilege, it's a joy to partner with you guys. We have a little table in the back that I want to draw your attention to. We have a prayer card. If you want to receive our, our emails and our prayer updates and um, sign up, I want to encourage you, 2006, was a long time ago since Easton came down. I, want to, I would love to have a team to come on down and share God's love with us in Mexico. And I'm excited for what God is doing. I'm excited. God loves me and God loves you. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you um, for this morning, for the reminder that that God loves us, that you love us with an extravagant love, a, a, an exhaustive and expressive love. And, and you demonstrated that love through the giving of your son, Jesus Christ, and that we only put our trust in him, that we may have eternal life. We thank you, Father, for um, this church. I pray, Father, that this church will be salt and light in this community, that they can share the good news, the good news of God's love to this, this, this area into the world. In Jesus' name, amen.